0: Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host Maddie Moon and this is episode 112. Today's podcast guest is an exceptional woman who I am proud to be having on the show, a woman that I met in Thailand. But before we get over to there, I want to give some announcements. First off, I'll make these pretty short, but first off, announcements about the retreat. I'm so delighted to be presenting Forever Free Retreat, a retreat that's been in my mind and in the works in my mind for at least a year now, and it's here. It's finally here. I'm putting this together, but I have made some changes since the last time I I talked about it, which was in last week's episode. Here are the changes really quickly. I changed the dates. I wanted to give you a little more heads up so you can get off work and book your flights. So the dates are now September 29th, which is a Thursday, to October 2nd, which is Sunday. You'll come in. We'll get started around evening time on Thursday. We'll spend all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then Sunday around noon will we'll wrap it up. And this retreat is going to be a time for you to dive deep and discover what living, forever free looks like for you. We're going to be going really deep into all of these topics that I go in on my podcast, but in a very intimate, small group of us. I am so excited to help you personally in this group experience this positive, uplifting atmosphere where all of us will come together and go deep into things like relationships, uh, obstacles in our lives, things that have been holding us back and together we figure out how to move forward. What does freedom actually look like? How are how are you even taking care of yourself in this world in this life and prepare you to be able to leave the retreat feeling fulfilled, feel like you took care of yourself, you did something for yourself that's going to launch you further in life. And just fill up that tank. If you're running on empty, this retreat could be the exact thing that you need to feel full again, to feel recharged, to be able to show up present, be there fully for your family, for your friends, and for yourself, to feel worthy, to give yourself what you need to move forward, and to move past some of the things that have been holding you back and making you play small in life. Not only that, but it's going to be fun. There are things you can only do in Boulder, you can't do elsewhere, and those things I intend to show you, and I am so excited about it. On top of that, I plan for us to do a hike, a really beautiful hike, one of my favorite ones here in Boulder, and uh, yoga, and have delicious food. That's another change that I have made to the retreat. I plan to include all meals except for possibly one. I want to have at least one opportunity for you to go somewhere in Boulder, go have a delicious meal out because there are so many great places to eat, but in the cost of the retreat, I will include food. So don't worry about that. Let me know if you're interested in this. Either way, I'm going to have you apply for the retreat. So you can go directly to the show notes for this and you can apply for the retreat using the link on there. If you reach out to me, I'll probably just send you there. So might as well just cut to the chase and go straight to that application and apply and I'll respond to you pretty quickly. I'm taking eight people. I was intending on taking 10, but I want to make it more intimate, smaller group So I plan to only take eight and two of those spots have been filled. So let me know as soon as possible and I will get back to you after I receive that application and give you a few more details. And all I need is a 50% deposit to hold your spot. So excited to have you there. The next piece of news is to talk about this awesome call that I'm doing tomorrow. I'm doing a live call, The Three Keys to a Freedom mindset. Super laid back, chill. It's going to be just a a fun time for me to hop on a call, answer some questions, and talk about what I believe are the three keys to a freedom mindset. This is also just practice for me to talk about other stuff. And like I was talking about in my last episode, expanding. So, not just freedom with food, but now freedom with life and having a freedom minded mindset, a freedom focused mindset. So, if you want to join us there, the details to that are on the show notes. To this episode, I will be sending out an email blast with the details both today and tomorrow. So if you're not on my email list, go ahead and get on there so you are notified of what number to dial and the code to enter. And like I said, that will also be on the show notes. So you can go to the show notes for Elaine Lee and get the the number there. You can call from anywhere in the world. It's an international uh, phone number. So you can join from no matter where you are. Heads up, like I said, I'm in Bali, so the internet here is really unpredictable, but I'm going to go for this call anyways, and hopefully it stays strong and y'all can hear me just fine. So hop on there. You'll be able to ask me questions and communicate to me through Twitter. So you'll be able to tweet to me if you have any questions about anything, and that's going to be really fun. So I look forward to seeing you there. Again, it's tomorrow, so it's August 4th, Thursday, August 4th, at 7 p.m. Central Time. 7 p.m. Central Time. All right, so without further ado, let's do the review of the week. This comes from CO8812345. And they say, blessed to have found you with five stars. Let me just say thank you. Thank you, thank you for the work you are doing, Maddie. If our world only had more people like you who promoted a truly healthy lifestyle and body image, how much better of a place it would be. I'm not sure how I even stumbled across your Instagram blog and podcast, but I feel like it was truly meant to be for me and it was a huge blessing in my life. After a decade of being preoccupied with diet, exercise, and poor body image, I feel like I'm learning to love myself the way I am and to be much more gentle with myself. Much of this new way of thinking and feeling for me is because of you and the wonderful guests you've had on their podcast. You are so wise beyond your years. Thank you for helping myself and so many others find a place of peace and hope. I appreciate all that you do. Thank you so much for taking the time to write that review. I appreciate it so, so much. And I just want to make sure I recognize you right now and tell you that even though I've helped you along this journey, you're the one that does the work. You're the one that shows up to your podcast every Wednesday and you Put those earbuds in your ear and you listen and you do the work. You apply it to your life. So thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself, to take care of yourself, and to make those changes in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, in your soul that you really want to be making because that, that is truly awesome. That takes the work and I am so proud of you for being able to do that. So today's podcast episode is with the beautiful, radiant Malaine Lee. Malaine Lee is founder CEO of Malaine Lee Inc., and the Divine Rich Programs, a spiritual guide, intuitive coach, and freedom-based lifestyle designer. As a woman of faith and spirituality, she has dedicated her life's work to educating others on how to step into the truth, shine their own authentic light, unleash their purpose, and share it with all of the world. Through Melaine's own experience, strength, and hope, along with her studies and transformation workshops, energy work, spiritual work, and professional experience, she has cultivated earth-shattering, life-changing formulas to help people truly master their lives. And yes, that is so true. Melaine is a powerful woman who has so much to say on the topic of letting go of others' opinions of you, healing your heart from addiction, and moving past food struggles, but more than that, just life struggles and being able to feel empowered in your life as a strong female or male, whatever you may be. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know it has so much beautiful insight and I'm excited to share it with you. Again, if you want to be applying for my retreat, if you want to be there at the very first retreat I have in Boulder, Colorado, just go to the show notes for this episode and apply there. Melaine also does retreats. She's awesome. She lives in New Zealand. So if you're in the New Zealand area, check out her work so you can see what she's up to. Now, without further ado, let's go head on over to the show.
1: Welcome to the Mind Body Musings Podcast.
0: everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am delighted today to have Melaine Lee on. And the cool thing is she's actually here in Chiang Mai with me, not physically with me for this interview, but she's in Chiang Mai. She's been traveling around. She is a, a very excellent traveler. We've been able to share so many stories. It's been really fun to catch up with her. Um, but I'm so excited to have her on the show. I really didn't know how incredibly powerful her story is. And after catching up with her, getting some coffee, it was like, oh my gosh, got to get this girl on my show. So here we are. Here we are today on episode 111. Welcome to the podcast, Melane.
1: Thank you so much, Maddie. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: This is a treat. Like you just have (laughs) so many different elements to you. You're so sweet. I'm so excited to have you on. So the very first thing I do on my podcast is ask my guests about their story. And your story is one that just is so rich. And I know we're going to be focusing a lot on it, but go all the way back to the beginning. Like I know it was pretty (laughs) far back, but tell us like all the way back to like your childhood and how you were raised and how Hmm. some of those things have contributed to how you are today
1: yeah yeah totally. Um, it's so cool, Maddie, because I really never thought that my story would be able to support anyone or be any signif- would be of any significance to anyone else because of so many things that have happened to me. and I realize now that because of those things that have happened to me, I've really been able to share them with other people to support them on their journey, and to say that you know you're not alone and that things happen to people and it- actually your darkest paths can become your greatest assets. So um am happy to share my story. And, and, you know, growing up, I grew up in, you know, suburbia America in the bubble of like, you know, everything being perfect, right down to the fact I grew up in this kind of neighborhood where all the homes, there was like three different homes that were just like replicated down the street, you know, so it's just very kind of, Pleasantville E. And everyone on the outside was like, you know, competing with the Joneses, as they say, like competing with each other on being perfect. And then on the inside, you know, was really just everything's falling apart. And at least it was, at least it was for me, you know, at least it was for my family, you know, and we were trying to keep up this facade and this image. And, and really it just wasn't, it wasn't the truth. It wasn't what was actually going on on the inside. And, and that's really, you start to lead two lives almost. And I can remember that, you know, that perfectionism really, it took off for me when I was around 12 years old and going into middle school. And, you know, just as a child, naturally I had a little excess weight. I was, you know, a little, like a little girl. I had like my baby fat or whatever. And then going into middle school, I started participating in all these different sports. So naturally I just got, thin and of course with that thinness and we kicked kick this new level of perfectionism i realized attention that i was getting um and the the love this new this new type of love through the attention and so i was really excited i'm like wow everyone's paying attention to me because i'm a little bit thinner and so this perfectionism to like keep that up keep that facade up um when really it was killing me on the inside, you know, not eating enough every day and and working out excessively. Um, but that also trickled into, you know, my relationships with other women. Like I was constantly seeking, like, please love me, please like me. Um, you know, that was in my academics. I had to be like all honors, straight A's. It had to be. Um, otherwise I didn't think that I was good enough. You know, in sports, same thing. So it was like putting up this facade on the outside that I was this perfect student, perfect athlete, perfect looking, perfect friends, And that's a really hard facade to keep up. And it's really emotionally, spiritually, mentally draining. And I would say around the age of 18 or 19, uh the I say like my disease of addiction kind of took a new a new turn. Now in this whole kind of phase my parents really fed into this perfectionism, right? They constantly were, you know, rewarding me for when I did good and doing good meant being thin, doing good meant winning these awards as an athlete, doing good meant, you know, um, having a boyfriend and, you know, questions that were asked of me as a child were, uh, do you have a boyfriend? And how much are you weighing nowadays? Or, you know, the compliments would be, oh, it's so wonderful that you have a boyfriend or you look so thin. So of course, these were things that I put high on a pedestal, you know, and, and I'm really clear in this moment that I have forgiven my parents for everything that has happened, because I know that everything that they had done for me in those moments was the best that they could do. Like they really didn't have access to tools that they do now or that I have access to. And so therefore their way of communicating love to me while, while it seems really twisted in this moment, it actually was the best that they could do because they just didn't have access to other tools and their decisions and their actions were really based out of fear of, Me being ridiculed, fear of me not being loved, fear of me not being liked. You know, my mom, the last thing she wanted to see was her, you know, daughter not be loved because she was too fat or not be liked because she was too fat or not have a boyfriend because she was too fat. And so therefore, you know, she gave me tools to manipulate my body, you know, whether it be laxatives or showing me how to throw up like these different things. And you know, it's horrifying. And at the same time, if I didn't have an awakening, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I likely would have done the same thing to my daughter because I wouldn't have known any better. And I would have thought that that was the way you did things. And so, you know, around like 18 or 19, I started to, because of that perfectionism really weighing so heavily on me, the only way to kind of release that and let go and really let go of control was through drinking and doing drugs. Um, that was the only time that I like really let my hair down and just like didn't care and was reckless. And so it was like really becoming, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like I was these two different people. I was this perfect little you know, straight A student. And then when I drank, I was this reckless, wild, you know, <laughs> crazy girl that was just doing all these things. And it really was like the music and the lyrics weren't matching up. The melee that was on the inside that really wanted to come out and shine couldn't. Everything that was coming out was either perfect or, you know, an, a mess. And so that recipe just got It was like the perfect storm was really cultivating throughout my 20s. You know, and I can just tell you, I could sit here and we could talk for hours about all the different things that I got myself into and the entanglements that I got myself into. But really, at the end of the day, it was just like I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And really, the love that I wanted, the only one that could really fulfill and satisfy that deep Love was finding a connection with God for me, you know, and, and that, that hole, that God-like hole of like emptiness and unworthiness that I tried filling up with drugs or alcohol or the perfectionism or, you know, the eating, um, the only thing that could fill that God-like hole was God. And, that was really the last person or the last, you know, higher power that I was looking for at the time. Raised Catholic. I, I really feared God. I thought that God was the enemy, you know? And, and I just kind of thought that the reason I thought those things was because I was told as a child that if you do something bad, then God's mad at you. And so therefore I was like, well, oh my gosh, I've done so many things wrong. So God must be really mad at me. There's no way I'm coming back from this. So I might as well just do X, Y, or Z. Wow. And yeah.
0: Can we stop real quickly? Yeah. I touch on I want to touch on yeah. this before we keep going. Yeah. Just this relationship with God. How did you shed those previous beliefs about you have to do this? Like the, the check mark, the check boxes, like check... I went to church, check. I did a devotional, check. I prayed three times, check. You know, like some mm-hmm. of those things are still valuable things like going to church or going to a place that you consider to be like where you where you connect with God the most, praying. Those different forms, they're still beautiful there's still things you do it's just a different experience doing it how did you mm-hmm. still do the same action the same action of praying and connecting with god you know you prayed with god whenever you were younger it was just different now you mm-hmm. pray to god as you're older and it's different mm-hmm. how do you mm-hmm. do that same action but have a completely different experience
1: that's such a good question and i never even thought about it that way um i think my understanding of god is so different now so my un it the action that was happening as a child, you know, as a young girl was one that was fear-based and so therefore you do this because you'll be a good girl if you do this. You will not be a good girl if you don't do this. And now my action is taken to connect and and pray with God is faith-based, trust-based. I do it not because it will make me a good or a bad girl. I do it because... I crave the connection. I love conversing with God. I know that it, it strengthens me. So it comes from more of a place of trust and knowing and faith as opposed to a place of like fear. And someone told me I had to do it. You know, when I got down on my knees for the first time, when I was 29, after not have, have, after I got my confirmation, I think in 10th grade, I stopped going to church. So, That was about, oh sixteen 16 years old. So we're talking about 13 years going by before getting back down on my knees. And the first time I got back down on my knees, no one said to me, you got to get on your knees and pray to God because then you'll be a good girl. I got on my knees because I knew I needed something that was more powerful than me. I knew I couldn't do it anymore on my own. And so I had this new willingness and this new level of trust that there has to be something that can support me.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. That's so beautiful. And when you got on your knees and you had this moment of just like I need I need help. Like I need to have this hole filled with you. It's not nothing of this world will fill this hole. I can't go yep. out and drink and find it or get love and find it and fill it. Um from there, after having that revelation, how did you grow it? How did you grow the relationship or learn more or connect with God more with with people, with programs, with books like what was it just meditation or what was it for you if not a combination of things
1: yeah it was um you know it was kind of a combination of things that happened so i had this um this dream one evening where god really came to me and you know long story short, essentially said to me, if you turn your life over in this moment, I will lift all of your addictions, but you have to live a life of service with me, which was really scary for me because, again, as I said, I walked so far away from God, and I really didn't believe that there was anything. And, And if anything, I believed that there was just more evil in the world. And so having that moment, and really in that moment, What came to me, the the message that came to me was like, Melaine, you're someone that is here on this planet to be of service. Like, This is your mission, to spread love. And I'm like, well, that's the last thing I've been doing. And now I realize that these experiences that I went through were so that I could spread the message now because I had to see the opposite end of the spectrum. And so uh, to continue to cultivate my relationship Um, I have to have fun with it. Like it has to be exciting for me. It has to be interesting and adventurous for me. If, if it was just, you know, and I don't knock church because I believe that religion is beautiful. And I love that there's various ways that people get to connect with the, a God of their understanding, but the God of my understanding, he doesn't say that I have to go connect with him just in church. Do I go to church? Absolutely. Do I go every Sunday? No. Um, and me putting any rules or regulations on the way I need to connect with God will absolutely push me away from God. So it has to be a relationship that's fun and exciting and that grows, uh, with God together with me and not, and there's no one sitting there telling me that there's a to-do list or a rules and regulations list that I have to check off and you know, I get up every morning, Maddie, and I do kind of like a, a morning ritual routine that's like my little spiritual routine. And <laughs> when I first started out, it was like a couple of things, like pray and meditate and do a gratitude list. And then as I've been on this transformational journey for the past three three plus years, you know, I've learned all these different tools from all these other gurus. And the next thing I knew, I had 20 things on my list that I had to do in the half hour. <laughs> Like, you know, uh, reach out to three people, do a random act of kindness, listen to (laughs) motivational music. And I'm like, whoa. And I finally got a message one day uh, when I was meditating that was like, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And so now I'm just back to the basics again in the morning. I pray, I meditate, and I write out a gratitude list. And when that gets stagnant or stale, or I just feel like it's not really, it's just getting monotonous and it's not really... I don't feel any passion in it, then, you know, I'll I'll ask what's something else that I can do. But it's not about adding more to the to-do list. It's really about just keeping it simple and really feeling the connection with God. And, you know, there was one month that I just wiped out the list entirely, and all I did was sit for 30 minutes and have a conversation with God. And that was it. And that was what I did every day. So, you know, for me the relationship development has to be fun, has to be adventurous, has to be cool. Otherwise I'm out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I believe that if
0: more people understood that that's the way you can do it, more people Mm. would be open to this because there Mm -hmm. are so many different stigmas and rules and regulations and this, this, I, I, I resonate so much. I just, I really resonate just Growing up, hearing things like, God doesn't honor this, God doesn't honor this, God doesn't honor that. It's just really, it can be very scary. It can be very yeah. scary feeling like you're walking around throughout the day doing all these things that aren't honorable and you're just getting all these demerits. Like you get, your yeah. ranking is going down, 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 <laughs> down, down. And it's just like so scary when you think back at the end of the day. Like I'm having this memory coming back to me. Whenever I was a kid, um, I used to pretty much like, because con- I, I, I kind of, I wouldn't say my parents... Wanted me to be perfect, but I interpreted a lot of things as be perfect. And Mm. so I remember at the end of days, I would like go back to my mom and like, Mom, I said this really mean thing to Billy today. Mom, I picked my nose in class and people saw me. Mom, I did that. Like I would like list off all the embarrassing slash bad things I did. And I remember when my mom would go out of town and she wasn't like, supporting me like yes come back and tell me all she'd never did that she I'm sure just thought I was like trying to get things off my chest which I was but (laughs) whenever she'd leave town I would literally write a list out of all the wrong things I did so that when she came Mm. home I could confess it was basically like I was Catholic too I was not Catholic (laughs) I was Baptist but I had that same feeling like being as a kid, like wrong, 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 wrong. And like, I never, when I look back, I didn't really praise myself as a child. Not that most children do this, but it's not like I praised myself for like my, my rights. I just felt so guilty, even as a little second grader for all the things I did. And I would have to confess at the end of a long day. And my mom would just be like, Oh, okay. Like she'd be very supportive and just be like, it's okay. Like, don't worry. Like it was all within me, even as a child. It's just so interesting thinking now I'm finally learning how to let go of control. And that's been a process over the past three years. But three years ago, control and guilt and shame were just so strongly overpowering in my life. And I look Mm. back and look at those behaviors as a child. Like Those behaviors Mm. very brightly illuminate that that was going to be in my future. And it it just goes on and on and on with all the quirky things that I would do. But they weren't just quirky. They were like my way of dealing with shame. (laughs) I guess I was speaking out, Mm. so I would let go of my Mm -hmm. shame. So that's good. But it's not good that I felt I had this list growing that I had to mark off, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I can totally, I can totally relate to that. And I think that control is something that, you know, played a theme very largely throughout my entire life. And where I thought my solution was the drugs and alcohol, because it was like the one time I could you know, release that control, I've realized now that the replace has been God because it really allows you to trust when you know that there's this power that's greater than you that makes all, you know, makes the world go around and and does all these other little things that you actually don't have to worry about doing anything because you don't really have the power to control any of it anyway. And so it's just a relief that you can let go and just trust. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Let's talk about your relationship with food because I know my listeners are going to be really interested in this. But Mm -hmm. tell me about the moments, moments, you know, or moment, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, that you felt you were just done. Like, I'm assuming you had to reach this point of just being done in order to change your relationship with your food, and it couldn't happen mm-hmm. before then. You had mm-hmm. to, you had to be at that moment of doneness. What was like? What was that like for you?
1: Yes, yeah, um, you know, it. Ha- I had suffered with an eating disorder since probably the age of six. Like I can remember, at the age of six, when everyone else was in bed and the lights were out, I would sneak down into the kitchen and I would my mom hid the junk food because we weren't allowed to have it. But I knew it was like I had this radar that would like sniff out where the junk food was, and I would go and eat it, you know, I'd eat all of it. And then my parents would ask me the next day if I ate it, and I would lie and be like, No. And that was the development of, you know, at first, it was overeating. And then I found, you know, anorexia and bulimia and over exercising. And, and so I really ran the gamut of if there was anything that you could do to manipulate food, I did it, and I did it, you know, perfectly. Like, if if it was, um, you know, a fitness challenge, I did everything exactly to the T. If it was, you know, not eating, like, I could go weeks. It was just, you know, I really, I tried everything manipulating my body. And essentially, it was me trying to control because I knew I didn't have control over other areas of my life. And it really had to be, again, yes, I had to really be not only um, ready, but just so willing to surrender my whole life and turn my whole life over. And so about three years ago was the first time I I hit my knees. Um, Bulimia was essentially the part of my eating disorder that got so out of control that really thrusted me to the floor and I just I knew Maddie that I would never be able to be in a loving relationship with any human being whether it be a romantic relationship or or have intimacy with anyone because the secrecy and the Um, power that the bulimia had over me was keeping me disconnected from the world. You know, it was keeping me disconnected from actually living. And so I was just so ready and willing to like fully surrender whatever it took. Like if someone told me that I had to chase a lion down the road, do 10 jumping jacks and roll on the floor. Like I was willing to do that because I knew the life I was living in that moment. I was just done with it. And and as that journey progressed, um, I th- it started about three years ago, actually. And-, and as that journey progressed, I feel as though I've hit deeper levels of surrender because it's not like the voices ever go away or the, you know, as I've been traveling over this past year, my uh, body image stuff got re-kicked up and it was a new level of surrender and acceptance around my body that I really had to get into. Why do you think and- that was? Why do you think traveling brought that out? Uh, I think traveling kicked it up because I was outside of my comfort zone and there's an illusion when you're in your realm of comforts of knowing like I I lived in New York for a decade. So it was like I had my same coffee shop, my same friends, my same routine. I went to the gym at the same time. I went to my meetings at the same time. I think there's a level of illusionary control that you have. So taking then that away. I believe the, the thing for me that always kicks right back up is the body or the food. And so that kind of came up again and it was just a deeper level of surrender. And at that point I then realized that mm, I was still a little bit controlling around the food. And so I started to learn um, intuitive eating and I sought out different resources. Coincidentally, I did your program. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's how we first connected is when you did scripture, food and healing. Yes, yes, and that's awesome. That makes me feel really like yay. That's great.
1: (laughs) And I listen to a lot of your podcasts, and which were super helpful. And listening to other stories, and and I think that's something that's really helpful and helped me along this journey of, you know, surrendering is knowing that you know today in this moment your surrender might look like. You know, you're, you're not going to you're going to everything that you eat, you're going to be accountable for and you're not going to throw it up, Malene. And tomorrow, my surrender could be the next level, which is, OK, now you're going to intuitively eat. So three years ago, me just stopping the purging and and eating Now, upon reflection, I realized that I wasn't eating enough, but that was the first step of surrender. And so it was like these levels of surrendering and being able to grow in the process. But there has to be, yeah, a willingness to be open to to learn and to be open to allowing yourself surrender. You know, in the beginning, I was like, I remember asking A couple of girls that were also in recovery like so you know you don't get any you don't get any weight right you don't get any weight and that was like my biggest concern like god forbid i i got fat or gained weight or went from like a size four to a six like the world was going to come crashing down and now you know like i'm a size 10 and i'm the happiest that i've ever been i'm the I'm the freest for my body that I've ever been. I probably wear the most revealing things that I've ever worn in my life. Cause I really just don't care anymore. <laughs> and I literally like, it's so funny because this morning I went and grabbed coffee down the street and I literally got stopped in the street by someone who told me was like, you know, oh my God, you have an amazing body. I just wanted to let you know. And I just kind of chuckled, like, you know, of course, whatever. But the, you know, the fact is that's feedback because I know the way I'm carrying myself now is so different. Even when I was super skinny, the way I carried myself was with shame and guilt. And I still thought that I needed to be thinner. And today I just love and accept my body for where it's at. And I trust that, you know, if today it wants a milkshake Or you know, three donuts. That that's what my body needs in this moment, and I'm not going to punish or shame it into wanting something else. Oh
0: yes, the most important (laughs) person out there in the world, the most important is yourself. It's like you. We all Mm. fight for this freedom. In the wrong ways. Like, we think freedom means getting other people's approval and living so other people see our body and they think a certain thing automatically about us. But what the most important thing is, is to be in harmony with ourselves, to be in harmony with our own body. And the fact that your body is different than it's ever been and you're the freest you've ever been and the most confident and the most revealing, like, that brings so much hope just to to so many people that are going to be listening to this podcast. And even me, I'm just so inspired by the freedom. And, and I can tell it as well. Like being around you, I can tell it. And mm. it's interesting because even with other people that I walk down on the street and, you know, I'm not like out there judging people's bodies or like – immediately looking at people's bodies but of course that is the very first thing you see about a person is their external appearance and i pick up on that confidence always i'll see people Mm. of all different body shapes and sizes and i'm immediately attracted to them their energy because of the way they're carrying themselves and i know like that person right there has got that freedom in their life they have got the freedom like they are doing them and that is what attracts me to them or just people to each other is that energy of release of control and surrendering to your own power, your own greatness, just being yourself. I want to ask you about the story you told me with your grandma and the comment Mm -hmm. on your body and how you responded to that.
1: Mm, yeah, that was it. So I was down visiting my grandmother a few years ago, um, when I had first come into recovery from my eating disorder. And we had gone swimming, we had gone to the swimming pool, and I was wearing a bikini. And she said to me, you know, my nickname, my name's Melane, and my nickname to my family is Mimi. And so she said, Hey, Mimi, um, you know, when you gain weight, you gain weight right in that upper stomach region area. And I was so blown away in that moment, you know, like it, of course it was like daggers to my heart, but in that moment it was such an innocent thing that she was saying. Like I realized that she didn't know, um, the pain that she was causing me. I also in that moment had a new level of empathy and compassion for my mother who, you know, was, was teaching me all these different tools. And now was like, Whoa, look at this cycle. Look at this cycle. Like it was such a God moment for me. And, you know, in that moment I just simply said to her, you know, nanny, this, you know, I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. And, you know, this is really triggering for me. And like hearing those words really are hurtful. And while I know that you love me, it doesn't, I don't feel loved when you say those things. And it's really painful to hear you say something like that to me, because it makes me feel less than not enough, inadequate. And You know, it makes me want to like restrict or not eat. And now I have the tools to not do that. But like in the past, that's what I would have done. And I just want you to be aware that I don't think that that's what you're trying to convey. But when you say things like that, that's how much pain you can cause someone. So, you know, my request would be if you don't have anything nice to say, please don't say it to me. And, um, you know, she was blown away. She had no idea that the impact that she was having. And like, has never, since that moment, she has never mentioned anything about my body ever again. You know, and so me setting, and I've gotten really clear about that because, you know, even with my mom, she'll still make, com- she would still make comments even as I was in recovery. And, um, you know, my father too, like unknowingly you know, um, oh, you look great or you look this and you look that. And I just request that they don't make comments about my body in general because it really allows me to not put the emphasis on, oh, you know, if they say this, then that means this. And if they say that, like, oh, you look so healthy. that interp- mm-hmm. I interpret as you look fat. So it's yeah. just, it leaves a lot, you know, it allows us to just be together in, in a new way. But setting my boundaries was so important. Um, and articulating that to them and, and also knowing that like they're not gonna change. So, like, expecting them to change isn't possible, but requesting that they, um, you know, don't speak about something, that's possible. You know, saying like, I don't wanna have these kind of conversations with you, um, is easy, but expecting them to like, you know, maybe not talk about it with everyone or think about it, that's, you know, we can't control that, but you can at least ask. But they don't bring it up.
0: What do you think about friends? Like people who you're not super, super close with, but they're just mm-hmm. people who are like in your life, you get coffee with them and they're like, Oh yeah, you look so healthy. That's so funny. You brought that up. Cause I was just thinking of that. Cause that's like one of the most triggering comments is like, you look healthy for so many people. <laughs> so yeah. it's just so ironic. But if someone were to say that and you weren't super close Do you set your boundaries with them? Like you move past the awkwardness of it being someone you're not that close with and just go ahead and tell them, you know, kind of like what you said to your grandma, would you do that or would you recommend a different way?
1: You know, it's a really good question. And I would say I probably wouldn't mention it to them because it's just a different dynamic of a relationship. You know, with my grandmother, I went there because it's a deep relationship. We're really close. We have really intimate conversations and I want to continue to cultivate that relationship. If it's a friend that's someone that's just like, you know, a coffee buddy or something like that. And they are like, oh, you look healthy. I might just be like, thank you so much. And know that You know, they're not saying it in a way that's like out to maliciously get me if it depends on the level of the intimacy of the relationship and giving myself and then the permission to go there in the conversation, you know, and and really what's true for you. You know, it's funny because I think that as I get more comfortable in my own skin and more accepting of who I am, the less I need to set boundaries or the less, uh you know, the more my boundaries kind of evolve, you know, it's like when I was first in uh the beginning phases of my relationship with my boyfriend, you know, one of my like deal breaking boundaries was like, if you don't respond to my text message in 24 hours, then like, ah, that, that means that you don't love me or care about me. And I've come to realize that that's like so far from the truth. But it took an evolution of like, you know, and and speaking those boundaries with him, telling him how that made me feel. And now, you know what, it, I don't, that's not a boundary for me anymore. And if he weren't to respond, I would I would really be okay because I'm confident in who I am and the relationship that I have. So I think that, you know, when it comes to that kind of question to some, or when someone poses that to me, I think, you know, are you Are hel- you look healthy? It really depends on the level of intimacy that relationship's at and where you're looking to steer it.
0: Right. And if they were to say something else, like, oh, you look like you've gained weight or something of that nature, I would say, really ask yourself if this person's serving you in your life. Maybe Mm. they're not serving you for right now. Maybe they'll serve you at Mm -hmm. another point when you've grown and you've gotten to a place where these comments don't affect you as much because you know the same thing as you were saying earlier, Melane. You know that this person's only using the tools they have. They don't have any yep. other tools. So when you get to that place where you understand this person is toolless, then you can have more compassion for the way they were raised. But if you're not there yet and you're still very triggered easily and you're just very vulnerable and sensitive, maybe ask yourself, is this the right person to have in your life for right now? Maybe you need some time away. You need to go on a little vacation and like, work on your own relationship with your body and not have other people's comments really be triggering you. And then you can come back to that later when you feel like you're ready if and when.
1: Yeah. I I couldn't agree with you more, Maddie. I think that something that, you know, I didn't talk about was when I first got into recovery. um, You know, I'll be honest. I have all my friends are, are not the same. Uh, all my friends are different. It evolved. And it wasn't like I just woke up one morning and was like, you all are no longer my friends. Goodbye. It was just as I, you know, evolved and as I learned to be in more healthier environments, you know, the friends that I hung out with, they just started to shift and change. Now, there's a few of like, there's maybe one or two that I still keep in touch with because they, too, are on more of a, a spiritual journey and really looking to grow and expand themselves. Um, But the friends that were around that, you know, were trying to convince me that I didn't have a drinking problem or, you know, that would make comments about my body that were really triggering, I just, you know, I just didn't really immerse myself around them as much. And it wasn't like I just cut them out. It was just kind of like they, you know, just like water beads off of you know, the, the glass, it was just kind of like, they just started to slide away and just slowly. And I just trusted that whatever was going to happen, that God was going to take care of me. And so I didn't really worry about it as much, you know, when I was younger I used to even write out lists of like who my friends were. Cause I was like, I'm going to make sure I have enough friends. Uh, I did that and- <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> like all the time, like
0: all the way up to like high school, I was like, yes! friends I have now friends. I want soon <laughs> friends. I might <laughs> let go of like, I had all these different categories and like did little dashes by their name, like invite for a play date, go to the movies with this person does do this with this. Oh, so funny.
1: Hmm. I can't believe you did that. That's so funny. I've I've never even, I've never even spoken about that that I made those lists. I, yeah, I made, either. Yes. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So I really, you know, I just think that as you grow, as as there's that saying, it's like friends for a season, a reason, and a lifetime. You know, and so it's just trusting that, and even if You know, and I think we had this conversation when we first met Maddie is like, even if you meet someone and you only get to spend a few days with them and then you never see them for the rest of your life, just enjoying like yesterday I was in Starbucks and I met this amazing, beautiful woman who was just, we had this beautiful conversation for like 20 minutes. I didn't exchange numbers with her or anything like that. And it was just like, it was an impactful conversation. I will never see her again. I mean, that I know of. But I'm okay with that because I think that people come into our lives and they're, you know, looking at the empowered version of each interaction that you have, even if, quote, unquote, it wasn't like even my drinking buddies, like, what did they do for me? You know, they really helped escalate my addiction to get to a point where I hit my knees and then found God. So it's all good. And it's just trusting that, you know, whoever in your life is to be there and whoever's supposed to come, is meant to be there too.
0: <laughs> I think if we could all have that attitude of everyone that we meet in a day could be someone we could just share a moment with, we'd be meeting a lot more people and exchanging just like, ourselves with them because we do have this all or nothing mentality of like, I'm not going to waste my time meeting this person out for, for a coffee because mm-hmm. we're not going to see each other again. Like, what's the point? Well, if we could just adopt the mindset that not every relationship has to be a lifelong one, some can just be for an hour, then we'd probably be meeting a lot more people. And I, I also love the thing that you were saying about like, Giving it over to God and stop having not feeling like you have to say okay I'm cutting this person out of my life I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that because again that's feeding into that almost like obsessive controlling behavior where there's a black and then, then there is a white and you have to pick a side and instead just saying you know what I surrender I surrender whatever happens happens it happens for a reason and not having to make it happen that night not having ha- making it happen the next day or the next day after that just letting it go and and giving it over to God and saying you know what you're you're the big man you make the decisions let it happen on your watch i'm just going to sit back relax and then it will happen. It's crazy. It really will happen. And you don't have to work for it. You don't have to make Mm -hmm. it happen all yourself. It happens for you. And like, you are wonderful, Belaine, at being able to see signs and know what something, when something is right. So maybe it won't happen where this person just picks up and moves the country, but maybe you'll receive like three different signs over a week that that person is not supposed to be in your life. And then, you know, you can back away.
1: Mm, yeah, I've, I've, um, something that has really been powerful since kind of going down this new path with my relationship with God and like, lis- is really listening to the signs that get sent to me. And, and it's not to say that, I'm human, you know, I'm a spirit having a human experience and part of the human experience is we're, we're flawed, we have flaws. And so it's not like a perfect, it's really progress, not perfection for me. But it really is about tapping into intuitively the signs that are coming to me. And, and that's those signs are guidance, you know, spiritual guidance for me to really live a life in the flow of life as opposed to in resistance. And, you know, whether it comes to food, you know, and listening intuitively to like, you know, what I'm supposed to be eating, because I'll get signs of that too, you know, like it will just show up, like, I'll be in a supermarket, and I'll just keep seeing like the same thing. Oh, I guess this is really what I'm creating. And it feels this way. So I'm just gonna keep okay, you know, and as far as you know, signs for my traveling, when I first started this journey around the world about a year ago, You know, and it was the first sign I got was to go to the island of Kauai in Hawaii, and and you know it's funny because I Hawaii was never on my radar. I had never had a desire to go there. I'm not really huge on like I like warm weather, but like tropical. I'm like "Eh, I could take it or leave it. It wasn't, and I got three signs in one week. Someone I had interviewed talked about Kauai, particularly Princeville. Then I met a friend for dinner, Kauai, Princeville, she talked about. Then I went on a random date, Kauai, Princeville was his favorite place. So I booked the ticket, and it was $400 from New York, which is totally unheard of. And things like that You know, are, again, another sign that, wow, well, look, I just listened to the sign, and then look how effortless it was. And I mean, like, finding a place, I found a beautiful home there um, on Craigslist, which... because Airbnb doesn't really exist there. And so it was just all these wonderful things that effortlessly unfolded. And that's kind of how life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be magical and fluid and effortless. And honestly, as I'm hearing myself speak, if I was listening to myself speak, even, you know, a year or two ago, I'd be like, she's so full of BS. Like, who is this woman? <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking. My life isn't effortless. I, I struggle. Because I really was, you know, I, I used to say, like, the struggle is real. I'm on the struggle bus. Life is so hard. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, life is what you make of it. So if you go around saying life is hard or the struggle is real, it will be. And right. if you go around saying that all my needs are always met, God is great all the time, that will be too. And so I just expect miracles. I expect the magic to happen. I get excited about what God's going to throw in the air for me. And I trust that even when things aren't going my way, and especially when things aren't going my way, that that's actually when the real magic is happening. Because the best things that have happened in my life have been the ones that I haven't planned, predicted, plotted, controlled. That's when the best things happen. This
0: is so, so, so true. Even thinking about my own past, everything that's really happened that's been amazing in my life has happened for me and it's not really been something that I made happen but an opportunity came I had my eyes open sometimes I would receive the signs and I would listen to them sometimes I was closed off to them but if it was meant to happen meant to be it would happen and it would really Mm -hmm. happen because of me but it would happen for me I Mm. think that's a great place to leave off with so much good insight before we do the quick fire round can you let my audience know where they can connect with you online
1: yeah, absolutely. Currently, you can connect with me on my webpage, which is www.lemaisondelumiere.com. And I'm sure that you'll have a link for them mm-hmm. or something, Maddie, so they yeah. can find that. Um, and then also Malene Lee is my my Facebook page. They can absolutely connect with me um, through there. And then my email is also malene at lemaisondelumiere, which um, .com which I'm sure Maddie will also give to them because it's a little bit of a mouthful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'll have these on the show notes for everyone listening. Okay, time for the quick fire round. Number awesome. 1. What are three words that describe you?
1: Hmm. truth, peace, and love.
0: Oh, I love this. Where was <laughs> your first kiss?
1: Oh, uh in a movie theater in seventh grade (laughs) oh my
0: gosh we're twins okay so mine didn't actually okay so everyone is gonna think i'm a liar because on my last podcast i was like my first kiss was on a marching band bus and that was my first french kiss so to talk about my real first like peck that happened when i was in seventh grade on the outside of a movie theater Uh, it didn't happen inside the movie theater right on the outside of it so you guys i'm not lying mm -hmm. i've had i consider both of these kisses (laughs) to be my first kiss um okay, <laughs> what what's your favorite color? Pink. What is your spirit animal for right now, at least?
1: Mm, the wolf. Uh, mm.
0: Must read book..
1: Whew. That's a good one. I would say, must read book. There's so many that are like streaming through my mind right now. So I would say that the one that keeps coming up is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks.
0: Oh, I have not read that.
1: Mm, It's a good one.
0: Okay. Put it on the list. If you could interview anybody, who would it be?
1: Dead or Alive? Yes. Oh, that's easy. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Love her.
0: Yeah. What's the best movie you've watched in the past month or two months?
1: Oh, Eddie the Eagle!
0: <laughs> oh, I watched it. I watched it right after you told me to watch it, and I loved it.
1: Uh, isn't it so good? It's so good. It's
0: just so yeah. inspiring, and like, yeah, that's my kind of movie. Thank you for recommending. You're welcome.
1: That. I was like, I want to be a ski jumper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to me, that's like this. That's probably the scariest Olympic activity ever. Because, oh, it's just, oh my gosh, that is like the definition. Of no control, like so yeah. you have to just go overboard and like trust and fail oh gosh oh, okay Ugh,
1: good movie. <laughs> um,
0: which would you choose? Frozen yogurt, gelato or ice cream?
1: I would say gelato. I really like gelato.
0: Good choice. A piece of clothing or makeup or an accessory that brightens your whole day. It's like your your signature thing.
1: Oh I cannot go anywhere without like my Mac sheer lip gloss have to have lip gloss.
0: I love lip. Gloss. I love lipstick. I think I'm more of a lipstick girl. These
1: mm, days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a good accessory to have. It
0: is. It, it mm-hmm. really like puts on a new level of perkiness to my day. If I have that. Totally. On. What's the next country on your bucket list to visit, not to live, but to visit
1: the next country that I would really love to visit. Well, I think it's a kind of a tie between um, South Africa um, I mean, I know that the country, essentially, well, the continent, country, South Africa, yeah, and um, Cambodia. Mm, yes, Cambodia. Uh, mm.
0: Currently, what's your favorite meal?
1: My favorite meal currently is, I have to say yogurt with granola. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's so good. It's so good.
1: <laughs> so yummy. I had that like <laughs> so twice. Yummy. I had
0: that twice yesterday for breakfast and then I had it as a late night snack and it was oh, so good.
1: It's so good. It's so good when you give yourself permission to eat what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and twice a day too cuz like I used to be like yeah. I
0: already had it and I can't have it again and I was like, "You know what? I'm having it again. I'm my own boss."
1: Totally. Totally.
0: What makes your life exceptional?
1: Hmm. What makes my life exceptional is the people in my life. You know the 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 intimacy and the the le- the depth of the relationships that I have is really what makes my life so exceptional because we only occur in relation to others. And so that those relationships are just they just enrich and make my life so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So they also, you know, and they make me who I am. So that definitely makes my life exceptional.
0: Beautiful answer. I love it. Thank you so much, Malayne, for coming on the podcast. I loved this episode mm-hmm. so much. Good,
1: You're so welcome. Good stuff.
0: <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> go head on over to my website. Go to Moon.com and you can find the show notes. And while you're there, you can see I have a new free gift on my website and it's a course that will help you discover your passions, let go of control and live your life loudly. So check that out while you're there. See you guys next week.